Dear Lord, we thank you for another day. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for the fact that regardless of what the enemy tries to do, we who walk with you have won. We overcome. We know that there is no weapon formed against us that shall prosper. We know that nothing that the enemy can do can nullify your truth. We thank you for healing us. We thank you for keeping us. We thank you for allowing us to have the right mind. We thank you for encouraging us. We thank you for coming together to hear your truth. I pray that as this word goes forth, it will fortify, uplift, and sustain those who hear it as they journey through whatever it is that you call them to do. We give you the glory and the honor. In your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I want to get into a very familiar topic to all people. Regardless of what you believe, what you don't believe, what you do with your life, who you serve, a very familiar topic is fear. I want to talk about really the truth of fear. Because obviously we live in a world uh, that has many false teachings and false appearances and and lies that try to explain the truth of things as it relates to God's word. And fear has been one of the main topics talked about, whether it's a motivational speaker, a pastor, a teacher, a parent. At some point in our lives, we come up against this topic, fear. And I want to shine the light of Christ on the undisputable truth about fear. But first, let's look at what the world says about fear. They say that the opposite of fear is faith, and that's not true. They even say fear is false evidence appearing real, fear is a liar, all these different things that exist. But none of that equates to the word of God. But they even tell you that it's okay to be afraid. They say it's natural. While it is natural, it's not okay to be afraid as a believer. And we're going to cover some scriptures today that's going to really show you why it's not okay to be afraid and also how to get out of living in fear. It's possible. I know they say, you know, you can't escape it if you're afraid to do something, do it with fear, just get it done. Christ never said that. The apostles never preached on it. And you can't find that nowhere from Genesis to Revelations. So while that's applicable to the world, it is not consistent with God's word. Um, so we're going to talk from or we're going to uh, read from. Matthew 412. And before we get into this, I want to tell you why we don't need to live in fear. First and foremost, fear creates doubt, period. It stops you immediately from believing what you said you believe. And fear will also cause you to put a complete break on the blessing that God has you walking in. It'll shut it down just like that. And Satan knows this. He fully understands it because if you walk in fear, he knows that you're going to miss out 
but what God has for you and what he has for the people connected to you. And Matthew 14, verse 22, says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, Is it a ghost? And they cried out out of fear. But Jesus immediately spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now, I want to stop right there and tell you, Jesus didn't say, hey, you have the possibility to not be afraid. He gave them a command. He said, it is I. Do not be afraid. There's been times in my life where God has called me somewhere to do something. And usually it's bigger than what I'm already doing. And obviously, I can't see into the future, so I don't know how it's going to turn out. And I know God called me there because of all the things that line up along the way. But even when he calls me, fear starts to rise up. And when it happens, we're going to read right here what takes place. In verse 28, and Peter saw him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. When God calls us to a place, you better believe it's going to require faith. Because it's always going to be something different. To the world. Peter was called to God, to Jesus, come. I don't know about you guys, but I've asked God before, is it you? Are you telling me, Lord, to do this? Are you telling me, Lord, to go this way? And God will confirm it through your spirit, through a word from someone, through an event, through the scriptures. And then here we do, just like Peter, we get out of the boat. We start walking on water, doing the impossible, impossible, and all of a sudden, we see things that become a distraction that create fear. Things that are actually happening. Like I said earlier, they say, well, you know, fear is false evidence appearing real. No, fear is real. And it's not anything false because Peter saw how boisterous the waves were. He didn't imagine them in his head. They were actually there. He could have been swallowed up by the, the sea. And in verse 31, he said, And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you little faith, why did you doubt? And when he got, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. See, fear will get us to believe God isn't present. Even after he called us to go out and do the impossible, 
He said, listen, I called you to go walk on water. In a situation that don't even make any sense. It would probably made a little bit more sense to walk on water if the water was calm. There were no crazy waves. The wind wasn't blowing. You know, you have probably a little more confidence. But he walked on water in a storm. If we look around the world today, I heard someone talk about how the different countries are at odds with each other and people are trying to sanction each other and all these different things that are happening. There's a storm going on. And if we don't understand the truth about fear, we'll be just like Peter. Instead of walking on water, doing the impossible at a time where most people are sinking, we will follow in that same boat. Well, how do we get to a place where fear no longer controls us? This is important to understand because Jesus commanded, the Bible says his word shall not return to him void. If he told you, you can do it. It can be done. But how do we get there? First and foremost, we need to know where fear comes from. Right. And we're going to read uh, as a, the apostle Paul writes to his brother to encourage him to be fearless and Second Timothy chapter two, verse six, Paul writes, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on the hands. Paul is encouraging him to get back to doing the impossible, the thing that no one can do except God is with them. But God gave him a gift. He said, stir it up, get back at it. And in verse seven, he said, for God has not given us the spirit of fear but of love and of power and a sound mind. When Peter was walking on water and, and the winds became boisterous, how they were just raging, that power that he had walking on water, the love and the sound mind were removed. He became afraid. And immediately, the Bible says, he, became, he started to sink. Immediately. It wasn't a delay. This happens to every person who walks in his faith. As soon as we start to live in that state of fear, we begin to sink. And if we're honest enough, we'll admit that it's probably happened to us in very recent times with all that's been going on. And verse eight says, therefore, be not ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the suffering of the for the gospel, according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with his holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ before time began. Listen, Paul understood a very critical point. He knew he was called by God. It was no misunderstanding. There wasn't any well, I'm not sure. I'm not clear on this. Paul was 100% clear that he was called by God for God's purposes. And it was only through the grace of God that Paul was called. Because if you know the story of Paul, Paul used to be Saul and he killed Christians for a living. That was his job. He persecuted them for his paycheck. And God's grace showed up. And enable Paul to actually become called by God and walk in God's purpose. In verse 10, he said, but, but it has not revealed 
by the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Now listen to this part right here. For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him to that day. It is Paul's persuasion. It didn't matter what he was going through. He was convinced. He got to one experience in his life that convinced him no matter what comes his way. He is called by God and he is committed his soul to him. He committed his life to him until that day. To the day of the Lord. This is so important to realize. Because a lot of us say we believe in God, but we haven't really committed our souls to him. We haven't really given it to him and say, you know what? This soul belongs to you. And the enemy wants us to live in this fear of, well, what if I don't go to heaven? What if I don't walk out the purpose God has on my life? Paul was persuaded. He didn't let nothing he saw or experienced change what he believed to be true. So how do we get to a place of fearlessness? We're going to read from 1 John chapter 4, starting at verse 4. And this is what John writes. He says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world and the world hears them. So when you have this statement of it's OK to be afraid, do it scared, fear is natural. That's how the world talks when it comes to fear. What Christ told Peter and those in the boat during the storm and they thought it was a ghost. He said, don't be afraid. The world don't understand that. And we who say we believe can't grasp it until we know back in verse four. That we are his children. Nothing should be able to dictate that truth. Once we get to that place, then when someone says you shouldn't be living in fear, you should be like you right about that. In verse six, it says we are of God. He who knows God hears us, but he who is not of God does not hear us by this. We know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The spirit of error is Satan. And that error is God's word being twisted, manipulated to make it sound almost like what God said. Fear is natural. Don't worry about it. In verse seven, it says, beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And if everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, it says he who does not love does not know God. For God is love. You know, the other day I, I had a statement that came to me that I shared that said love and hate cannot share the same space. 
because they're two different spectrums of, of life, of the universe. You can't love somebody and hate someone at the same time. You can't love, can't hate someone and say you love yourself. Fresh water and salt water don't flow from the same spring. And verse 9 says, In this the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10, And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be a appropriation for our sins. Basically to take the place for us. It says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we are we ought to also love one another. But how do we get to that place to love other people regardless of what they do? How do we get to that place of, you know, I know you didn't wreck my life, but I still love you. Well, let's read on. In verse 12, it says, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been made perfect in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. In verse 14, it says, and we have seen and testified that the father has sent the son as savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have known and believed that the love of God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So that fear is living and being able to love regardless actually go hand in hand. And here's how it goes. In verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have the boldness in that day of judgment, because as he is, we are also in the world. So I want to stop right there and take a look at this. As he is, who is he talking about? He's talking about God. He's talking about Jesus Christ. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He, as he is, who is without fear, he says, so we are in the world. We who believe are supposed to be living in love, which is without fear. Right. And I'm going to show you that right here in verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear. It says because fear involves torment. This is why we live in fear. We are not certain that God has called us and we are not obeying the calling that is on our life. That fear that exists is really because of disobedience. Our soul, whether we want to admit it or not, came from God. And one day it has to go before God again to give an account of what happened in the flesh. And if we are not obeying God's will, we're not living in love and we're walking in fear. It says the very next sentence says, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. To be made perfect in love is to have the complete understanding that you are in this faith. 
and that God's word is true and you are walking in that truth. That is the perfected love that exists in a believer that eliminates fear. We are not called to live in fear and it doesn't matter what happens in this world. Because John said that we have overcome the world. He's overcome the world and we are following him. We believe in him. His spirit is in us. So we have to understand that it is really through the obedience and walking with God that we can live this life without fear. But like I said before, the enemy wants you to believe contrary. He wants you to believe that it's okay to have those uh, moments of fear. But you go back and look at the Bible, moments of fear stop people from doing exactly what God has called us to do. 365 times the Bible makes reference to us not living in fear. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Over and over again. And I've heard someone say the reason why that is because every day of the year, God wants you to remember that you're not supposed to be walking in fear. This is the decision we have to make. Does he give us his spirit? Absolutely. Have we been reborn when we come into this faith? Absolutely. But Paul had to remind Timothy, who was an apostle, to not live in fear. But rather walk in the calling that God has given him. Utilize the gift that he's been blessed to have. And when we are obedient to the calling and the will that God has on our life, fear don't exist. It has no hold over our life. The world cannot sway us or control or manipulate us into thinking, well, it's okay to be afraid a little bit. Well, that's the same thing that happened with Peter. And could you imagine how the story would have turned out had Peter walked on the water to Jesus and then walked on the water back to the boat? It would have been a whole other story. But actually, it only became an example of what happens when we live in fear. But as I always make mention to it, it is only through the spirit of God can we live in the will of God. And it is his will that we live without fear. And always go back to the life of the apostles. They spent three years with the Messiah. They walked step for step for him and they saw him do everything people said couldn't be done. They laughed at Jesus when the little girl died and Jesus said, she's not dead. She just sleep. And they laughed. Yet he turned around and proved them all wrong. They got to see stuff like that and they still were afraid. Christ came back and he said, listen, you guys hang out here. Don't run. Don't go hide. Stay in Jerusalem and wait. And they were obedient to the will of God that came through Christ for their life. And they receive the Holy Spirit. And at a time when the first century church was under mass persecution, they continued to do everything they were called to do. Paul was in prison for his faith. For his faith. For what he believed. His calling. He was in prison for his faith and he's still in there writing most of the New Testament scriptures. Only the Spirit of God can get you to do that. 
Because it would have been a whole lot easier and I'm sure a lot more comfortable. Paul would say, you know what? I don't think I want to carry on in his faith. He didn't do that. He decided, he made the decision to lean on God's infallible truth and let the spirit of God lead him. He committed his soul to God. I'm going to entrust this soul to you and I'm going to stay obedient. So listen, when we come into these situations in our life where it seems like we just go ahead and be afraid for a little bit because the world is in chaos and there's wars and rumors of wars, the inflation exists and people are dying from different things. When these things occur, we who say we believe should not be moved. There was an old song I used to love hearing when I was going to church as a kid. It says, I shall not, I shall not be moved. And we got to declare that. I shall not be moved. Like the tree that's planted by the water. And, and we have to stop giving the enemy the green light to send us hiding in the corner saying things like, oh Lord, come back. Jesus never said, when you see this world flip upside down, go ahead and pray that I hurry up and get here. He's, he said, go do these things. Go make disciples. Go heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. And he said, teach others to do what I commanded you. And he said, surely I will be with you even until the end of age. Never did it say, Push along the itinerary of Christ. But we can't live in fear because it stops us from doing the thing that God has called us to do. It literally puts a lock on our divine purpose. We start to doubt. And the Bible says that anyone who doubts is like the wave of the sea tossed to and fro. And it says that person should not expect to receive anything from God. So when we come to God with these fearful prayers, these terrifying prayers, these I'm scared prayer, God's not going to bless us with one thing. That's his word. The Bible says when we need help, we go before God with boldness to obtain that help. We go before him Fearless, not a little bit afraid, not a little concern, not with a little bit of anxiousness. He said, come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain grace and mercy in the time of help. So let's not believe what anybody say. I don't care who it is. If somebody says it's OK to be afraid, you need to say, show me where that's at in the scripture. Because even in this same teaching, John tells us, test every spirit. In fact, in 1 John chapter 4, it says, Beloved, it says, Do not believe every spirit, but test every spirit, whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. And basically, it's the spirit of the Antichrist getting you to believe it's okay to live with doubt, live with fear, live with anxiety, live with all these things that completely hammers on defeat. God wants us to be thriving in this season. You know, someone asked me, one of my members said, how many kids do you got? 
And they, and I told him, I said, I got nine children. And they about blew their mind. And she said, you know, you don't look like somebody with nine children. I said, what does that look like? And the answer that she gave was basically, I should be all stressed out. Depressed and angry, bitter, mad, tired. When you know that you are called by the most high God. Ain't not a thing out there can negate the truth of who you are. Whether you got 10 kids, you got no kids. You got a big house, you sleeping on the street. We are supposed to look like that to the world. We're supposed to look like, well, you don't look like who you actually are. You know, I've shared this before, you know, when this thing hit back in 2020 and, and there was all this, you know, don't go outside and, you know, make sure you walk out with a full blown suit on and all sort of kind of stuff. Stay six feet apart. Me and my family went out. We went out with a smile. We shopped like we normally did. We went to the park. We enjoyed ourselves. We weren't pretending to be believers. If anything, when the world goes completely left, we're supposed to go completely right. And you should have seen the looks we got. Like we were from another planet. And the truth is we are. This ain't our home. We, we temporary residents here. And we believe that without a shadow of a doubt. So when all this stuff takes place, when the world's collapsing and it's all coming down, we excited. Because ain't nothing going to substitute being in the presence of the Lord. It says at the twinkling of an eye, we shall be transformed. There's a joy that's going to take place in a new heaven and a new earth. That cannot compare to nothing that exists on this planet. I know we want to turn it around. We want to pray that God heal the earth and do all these different things. And a lot of times in prayers are contrary to his word. This stuff's supposed to happen. If it didn't, then guess what? God was a liar. But while it happens, we're supposed to be living fearless. Period. There's no substitution for that word. Jesus told Peter, he said, it is I. Come out here. Do the impossible. Don't be afraid. And that's the life we have to live. Because there's a calling on everybody's life who comes into this faith. There's a divine purpose that's called, that sits on your life when you come into this faith. And with that divine purpose comes divine provision, divine protection, divine healing. Divine peace, joy, happiness, the right state of mind. Not this struggling, going back and forth, can't figure out how we're going to manage the day. That's not the divine state of mind that God called us to be in. So I want to encourage us to utilize the spirit of God that dwells in every single one of us and walk fearlessly. If you believe what you read, then there is no reason to have a life of fear. And let's make sure that we are striving for the straight gate. 
I know they said, you know, I just say Jesus said, you good. You got your ticket. You in there. Nothing else to do. Just be nice to people because it's the right thing to do. That's a facade all the way around the corner. It's a mirage. And we need to really understand that. But like I said, it takes the spirit of God. It takes his Holy Spirit in us. We who are the temples of the Holy Spirit, it takes that for us to do his will fearlessly. There is no other way to do it. Make no mistake about it. In Luke 13, 24, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Many. We don't know who. Only the Lord knows who is his. We don't know the number. But Luke is telling us, you better keep striving. You better keep striving for the narrow gate. And I tell you what, that's a statement that does not make sense to the world. So striving for the narrow gate is a decision we have to make continuously. We got to get to a place like Paul was. He was persuaded. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm committed. Come hell or high water, I'm committed. I believe it. And that's it. He had to be. Because I've yet to meet anybody who went to prison for something they did not do. And still write out the word of God. The very thing they in there for, they still doing. <laughs> they could have threw in the top. He could have said, you know what? I'm done with this. And he wasn't in there for a couple of weeks. He was in there really up until he died. And it takes the Holy Ghost. So let's let the Spirit of God move us through whatever we're going through fearlessly. Let's not get fixated on the boisterous winds or Ultimately, the lies of Satan. That's all it is. In reference to his word, he wants you to believe something different. But God gave us the spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. So like I said before, this lie that exists today more than ever before, there is no mental health problem with the believer of Jesus Christ. Because mental health is part of the spirit. And he said I gave you a spirit. That comes with a sound mind. But as long as we doubt this. We like to wave it to see. Going to and fro. Getting tossed all over the place. Being held captive by the enemy. So be encouraged saints. Stay in the will of God. Let his spirit lead you. I really didn't even know what I was going to preach about tonight. I've, I've been quite busy. I, I'm running a, a athlete development camp. A great opportunity to get in the ear and minds and hearts of these children. Sharing about being obedient so they can live long on the earth. And have a, have a life that's well with them. Respecting their parents. And I usually get a chance to start early. Uh, preparing what I believe God wants me to say, 
So I didn't know what to say today. And on the way here, I said, Holy Spirit, what you want me to say? But in the process of that, there's like a lot of things I want to talk about. But I'd rather talk about what the Spirit of God has me talk about. So when I'm done speaking, I have peace. And not trying to force my will, but stay according to his will. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the peace that you've given us, for your word, for your truth, for your spirit. We know that there is no such thing as living in fear when we have your spirit. If we're living in fear, we understand it's a decision that we're making to not allow your spirit to lead us. So I pray that you will continue to open the hearts and minds of those who hear and allow them to see your truth and stand on it so they can walk according to your will and nothing else fearlessly give you the glory and the honor in your name jesus we pray amen